What I tell uh, aspiring CSMs that I do meet along the way is take something you already do Mm-hmm. and put it into your scrum world. Prove okay. that you can apply what you've learned in the class. So okay. I had actually met someone who told me that he was coaching his daughter's soccer team. And I said, that's perfect. You can put that into the yeah. scrum way of working and demonstrate that although you haven't done it in your day job, because his day job was something totally, yeah. I, I think it was like freelance writing or something, no, nothing to do with what sure. the agile world is. But I said, If you know the concepts, Mm -hmm. then you can apply that to anything else in your life. So you're a coach. You're a soccer coach. Great. You're coaching. How do you build up the team? How do you call the plays? How do you gather them? How do you plan? Do you have a retro after they play the game? Do you talk about what went well in the game? What didn't go well? Okay. I said, there's lots of things you could do. So he said, oh my gosh, Amy, I didn't think of this. It doesn't have to be work-related to prove that you understand the concepts. If you challenge the team to do something better next time, you just had a retro and an inspection and adaption. So I said, so write that up and give that when you interview. Talk about how you applied. The not tell your story of, I learned all this stuff in class and then I went home and did it. I mean, there's so many ways you could show that what I learned in class, I'm applying to my real life, even though I haven't done the job yet. Because proactive is a quality I look for okay. in a scrum master. So that would show proactive right there. Hey, this is Dave Pryor. Welcome to Leading Agile Sound Notes. I have a brand new guest here today. So Amy McLean is here. Thank you for making time in your afternoon. Yeah, thanks, Dave. It's fun to be here. And welcome to Leading Agile. Even though it's not like brand new, it's still kind of new for you. Seven months and change. So (laughs) So That's how long it takes to get somebody on the podcast here. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) So we're going to talk about um, certification and job postings and stuff like that. But before we get into that topic, would you mind introducing yourself to the folks and telling them a little bit about kind of your where you come from and how you got to what you're doing now? Yeah, absolutely. So Amy McLean, originally from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, living in New England, New Hampshire. Um, I started out my journey as a project manager many, many moons ago, and then was introduced to the Scrum Master role, which I really liked. So I jumped onto the Agile bandwagon and became a Scrum Master, then a coach. And I'm coaching now, of course, with L.A., but um, I did start out in the project management world. Okay. And are you one of those people that found Agile and you were like, yes? Or are you one of those people like me who was like, no? No, I was like, yes, because how it was framed to me was what if I could have you have a a whole new life of work? Uh And I, okay, what does that mean? That means that you would never have to work overtime. You would be more efficient. You would be happier in your daily activity. (laughs) Wait a minute. So you start to think this can't be true, but I'm listening. I'm open, all ears. And so my coach at the time said, I have a new way of working that uh, will change your life the way you work. So I said, okay. And then I started down the path of the training and became a scrum master. Once I said, yes, this is for me. I don't want to go back to the old way. The old way was miserable. And I like the new way. And then I thought, what better thing to do than to evangelize and teach? So coaching came naturally to me and here I am. So you didn't struggle with the like uh, lack of perceived control or 
order, structure, all that. No, I, I hated the waterfall <laughs> world. I hated it because I was the one to blame. Okay. It was me, single throat to choke, yeah. always my fault when it wasn't. And here I am staying up late nights, 10 o'clock at night, preparing my Gantt charts yep. and my PowerPoints and thinking there has to be a better way. This just, it doesn't make sense. Okay. And that's why I was ready for anything that someone was going to tell me differently. Okay. So before we get into the topic, I have one question about this. Yeah. Um, how did it change the way you engage with the people on your team when you went from being like the project manager to the scrum master? Because it wasn't just me okay. anymore. So it was, hey, we're in this together. I'm the guiding force. I'm the one who's going to help us get where we're going. But we all have a part to play. Yeah. It started to become for me more of we're in it together. We sink or we swim together. And okay. that's what I liked because I was tired of just everything falls on Amy yeah. and everyone else has to do stuff. But if someone's got to go, if someone's in trouble, it's Amy. And I hated that <laughs> because it, everyone had a part to play. So that's yeah. really what drove me. And I said, I'm happy to kind of lead the charge and okay. I'm happy to corral the troops, but I'm not in this by myself. So we're okay. either going to do it together or we're not. And that changed a fundamental way that I looked at my job. Okay. So if you met somebody now who was like a PMP project manager and they were going to switch over, try to make the switch over to Agile, um, what is the the one piece of advice you would give them that nobody gave you? Well, I think for most people I meet in that role, it would have to be, you need to be open-minded, but okay. I was, so I didn't need the pep talk about be open-minded, be open to new ideas, sure. be open to new ways of working. Don't say this is how we've always done it, which everyone hates. Right. I, I was already there, but a lot of people I meet in that role do shut the door on, nope, 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 this is the way it has to work. Yeah. So I would tell them, also, don't be afraid because a lot okay. of these things come out of fear. You know, change yeah. is hard and people don't want to change because they're afraid. And I would say... Don't be afraid of the change because you still have a very important role, but things okay. are going to shift. And that's what I would, I would definitely, but I tell everyone that anyway, because change is hard and yeah. it's scary. It's exhausting. Yeah. Um, is there anything from that other way of working that you still hold on to that you still do that you bring into your practice of Agile? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Detail oriented is huge. I mean, project managers have a unique skill set where they do have to be very detail oriented. Yeah. They have to follow up. They have to be very good at communication. They have to okay. understand what it's like from the other person's point of view that they're working with. They have to have a lot of sympathy, a lot of empathy. All okay. those things don't go away. So they are transferable skills, but the framework, the way in which you're working yeah. is different. So okay. I still use all those things every day. Okay, cool. That's what's interesting is there's been a big shift or they're in the midst of a shift at PMI. Like when I came up, um, if you practice soft skills, if you studied emotional intelligence and things like that, that was the thing that separated you from all the other project managers. Mm. And then now PMI has got this renewed effort to promote what they're calling, you know, soft skills, that type of human to human interaction um, has become a big selling point for them or something they're trying to promote. But for you, it's been the whole time, just continuous. 
Yeah. And I think that's why I was a great project manager. It wasn't that I was bad at it. I was a great project manager, but I think that's why it was easier for me to make the transition. And I appreciate the project manager role because I did it. So I know that everyone has a place in the organization. It's not that, oh, project management is bad now. We get rid of it and we move over to this other way of working. No, everyone still has a role and we all have roles to play. But the agile roles just spoke to me more because it's what I was actually looking for all along. Some people probably prefer to stay in a very more, a more rigid approach of working, following the charts, budgeting, things that a project manager has to do to be successful. But I also wanted to see the other side. Now you're right about that because I do think that Project Management Institute and PMPs have come around to, it is a people business as well. It's not so transactional like it used to be because I find that project managers now do have more of a human element in their trainings than they used to. So they have recognized the importance, which was different when I was a project manager too, because you could get yelled at badly. (laughs) I mean, really yelled at by a customer, by your internal management, as if, you know, you weren't a person treated pretty badly. And I think that has also changed too. So that was one thing that I always felt like it was my job to take the punch. Like if anybody Mm -hmm. was going to swing at my team and one of the mistakes I made early on when I was working as a scrum master, I had a team that just couldn't deliver in sprints. And I would always go to the sprint review and get yelled at so that they didn't have to. So, and they never really felt the impact of not delivering on their commitment in the sprint. Mm. They never, Cause it was, they were over committing knowing they were over committing and they never felt any kind of pain from that. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I guess in the same way that I don't have to be the only one planning, I don't have to be the only one getting yelled at. That's right. If there's going to be yelling, we're going to spread it around. Um, Okay. One last question about this. And we haven't prepped this question, so I don't know if we're going to have to cut this out or not. But how old were you when you started like working part time or I mean, like going all the way back, like your first job that you had? When you were a kid. Oh, so my very first job out of college was a project coordinator. Did you have any jobs before college, like in high school or? I did. I don't know if I wanted to. All right. So, well, here's, so here's the question. Yeah. Um, I, when I'm interviewing people for jobs as project managers or scrum masters. Yeah. There's a couple jobs that I look for in their background that if I see that tells me this person probably understands a fair bit about servant leadership or how to serve teams, how to work for the benefit of others just because of the nature of that job. Mm. And so I'm wondering if you had any jobs earlier on that kind of gave you an edge up when you became a project coordinator. So probably, yes. I was a telemarketer. Oh, wow. Okay. So I'll tell you, I did not want to work the typical high school job. I didn't want to do fast food restaurant. I didn't want to do the mall. I wanted to make money. So the paying job near my house that I could walk to because I did not have a car was a telemarketing job. So I would walk to my telemarketing job and my job was not to sell products. It was surveys. It was horribly long, arduous, hundred question surveys. And I had to keep people on the phone and lie to them that we're almost done. We're almost done. Yeah, yeah. I think what it did was it did teach me rejection at a very early age when yeah. you get hung up on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and 
15, 20 times in a row, you get cursed at. Yep. You get told it's dinner time. How dare you go pound sand? I mean, think of any expletive you can add into that part yep. of the conversation. I got that when I was very young, 16, 17 years old. And I had right. that job for two years okay. because it was the highest paying job in the area, much more than all the other jobs in high school. And I was good at it. I was okay. able to keep people on the phone. I was able to finish. And you didn't get credit unless you finished the search. You had to get to the demographic questions. So you could be 90 questions in and they hang up on you and you would not get credit for and the hour, hour and a half you spent. And wow. it was, it was, and people hated it and it was miserable, but I was on a mission. I had a school trip that I wanted to pay for. So nothing was going to stop me. And so I put up with all of that for a long okay. time just to get what I wanted. So it was a very different uh, first, first job experience probably than a lot of people. So in addition to learning how to take a punch. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's um, why I laughed when you said that. I'm like, yeah. I'm wondering, I'm wondering if that you think that that made you like specifically prepared for what happened during the pandemic when we were all remote because your whole thing was you had to be able to use your voice to compel people to stay with you to follow it to participate to not bail or you didn't get paid possibly yeah i mean it also probably helped me become a better team builder too because i knew that you know no matter what was thrown at me i could get through it so okay. I can I can really come behind, you know, any kind of adversity and say, OK, today sucked, but yeah. tomorrow will be better. This particular survey day stunk. Or also I think about what I was given. So I had no choice in the surveys I had to deliver. So it could be something I was yeah. totally detached. I had no interest in healthcare surveys or I mean, I'm 17, 18 years old. What do I care about <laughs> retirement <laughs> questions? You know, I'm not thinking about that. So I have to persuade people on a topic that I don't even care about. To, so it's to a social sure. engineering job. I, yeah, I guess so. Right? So, so I'm, I'm doing a little bit of sales, a yeah, little yeah. bit of guidance, a little persuasion. A little social. Trying so to build was, rapport, all that. Yeah. yeah. And I, I wasn't going to give up, even though I'll tell you, I hated it. I absolutely hated it. I hated being that person that was interrupting people's dinner. I hated being that person that was trying to keep it. I hated lying to people. I mean, I was lying to people all the, oh, just another few questions, knowing it was one of 252 questions. And it just, but it taught me a lot about resilience and working through problems and getting to the end goal. So yeah, I would say a lot of that did shape uh, how I work today for sure. So that's really interesting. I to me the two jobs are uh, somebody who's been a weight person, like you've lived off your tips sure. because you learn about service to others. And I was an administrative assistant for um, for a couple of years for Clive Davis, the the guy who's the president of Arista that discovered Whitney Houston and all those other wow. people. Yeah, I know who and, Clive Davis is. Um, I mean, I was his nighttime assistant, but I was only successful if he had an you know as easy at night as possible. So everything I did was for someone else. Never yeah. got any thanks, never got any praise, got pens thrown at me a couple of times. But <laughs> um, but it was just it was I, that really informed um, how I approach project management. So that's cool. That's I hadn't thought about the telemarketing. I did, had a telemarketing job, too, and I was so bad at it. Really? Um, yeah, I did not. It was for a nonprofit trying to do fundraising. And yeah, it was 
not something I was suited for, I would think is the best way to say it. Um, well, I definitely learned a smile and dial very early <laughs> on. <laughs> wow. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about the topic. So it's kind of a vaguely shaped topic, but we're going to talk about whether or not it's worth getting certification, what's going on in the job market. There's been tons of layoffs of coaches. Um, some places are getting rid of their scrum master and replacing it with this super bizarro technical project manager role, which I'd love to hear your take on. Um, <laughs> so what have you found? I mean, you were in the job market seven or eight months ago, right? I mean, sure. what's what's happening there? So I think it's a mix. So from what I see, when I was a scrum master, back when I was a scrum master, probably five, six years ago, scrum master was a full-time job. Yep. There was value in having that role do just that role. And now I think we're seeing a change to... Well, we'd like you to also be a tester, a developer, a project manager, a something else. And okay. I think I, I've always said it's because the companies that are doing that either don't see the value yeah. in the Scrum Master alone, or they really just can't justify another headcount. So they're going to take someone mm -hmm. who's already doing something on the team or in the company. They don't have to onboard them. You know, right. they have a person now, they're cutting costs by, I have someone who's already here, they know yeah. our inner workings, they know what we do, they know our, our way of working, our, our company, who to talk to, they know all that. So we don't have to teach any of that, we'll okay. just teach them the new role. So they're getting these hybrid roles because wow. they probably, and that's how I'm thinking about it from a strategic standpoint, is if I were a company and yeah. I want to adopt something new, but I don't want to have the overhead of a new onboarding okay. situation, I'm just going to take someone who's already very familiar and give them a new skill set. Now, the problem with that is if the new skill set doesn't align with their current skill set. So uh -huh. I look at it where... Some project managers cannot make the leap to something else. As we talked about, yeah. if you don't have the right mindset, if you don't have the right way of approaching problems, you're not going to be able to do both. And is it yep. fair? I don't even think it's necessarily fair to that person because, I mean, I happen to know someone who was hired. She was hired for project manager one. And it, when she got into the role, they said, you know what? Um, we know we hired you as a project manager, but we need a scrum master. So that's what you're going to be now. And she had no idea what it meant. It's not what she was hired. Well, for. I would guess that company didn't know what it meant either because they wouldn't be just Absolutely. doing that. And it yeah. really, but uh, she was, I, I coached her. She was one of the most, you know, open-minded, everything you could ask for in a personality. Right. But she kept saying to me, Amy, I wasn't hired for this job. This is not the job I signed up for. Yeah. I wanted to do project management. So I think it's really not fair to do that mm -hmm. to people and just expect that they can flip or change or do yeah. the other job without a good discussion first. Okay. So I, I think it's it's twofold. It's a lack of, we don't understand the job yeah. and we don't see the value in the current role as it's being worked. Okay, so I want to stick with that one for a second because yeah. I run into this all the time. People have, you know, Scrum Master Plus, whatever. And I'm always teaching it because I teach the certification classes as a full-time right. job. And what right. I say is that when a company has made that choice, they probably either don't really understand what the role entails or they think that they're benefiting by saving headcount and cost 
but they're actually just amplifying risk of failure because you have somebody who doesn't have the time to be successful in their job or the new job that they're doing, which is probably also a full-time job. Um, it just invites disaster. But I'm, I, I don't, I'm assuming they probably don't think about it that way. They're just looking at the bottom line. Yeah, which is where, you know, the people element we talked about a yeah. little earlier goes right out the window. You're not thinking about it from that person's point of view who you've now put in this position, what yeah. it means for them, how they're going to work through the problems. If they have unknowns, who are they going to go to? The support system hasn't been built up. The communication hasn't been built up. But they don't There's have enough time happening. to do either job. That's fully. right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So you do two things badly or you do one yeah. thing really well. Which yeah. one? And I had that. I, I had one gig where I was supposed to be project manager, scrum master, and business analyst all at the same time. Impossible. I did no BA work, horrible project manager, and not a very good scrum master. And it made me miserable. And so yeah. I swore I would never take a job that wanted that again. But sure. that, the reality of it now is that people don't have a choice. I mean, you, you, there's more people. It seems like, I guess this is a good question. It seems to me like there are more qualified people than there are agile jobs. Is that what you found? Well, you're going to get into that topic of uh, what does qualified mean? Because okay, <laughs> I've, sure. I've met some really bad coaches and I've yeah. met some really great coaches. So here, here's the problem I have with, and you teach certification. So I'll tell yeah. you what I have a problem with, Dave. All right, bring have, it. <laughs> well, I have well, a problem. Hang on, before, before you go any further, yeah. for the people that are listening, they should understand that both of us grew up in Philadelphia. So I am, you bring your full Philly to force here. Oh, well, I'll then. I'll give it right back. The, the gloves are, the earrings come out, the gloves are <laughs> off. <laughs> well, so, so this is the problem I have with certifications. Okay. I have a problem with something that you go for two days mm -hmm. or three days or four days or some even five. Yep. And you're released into the world with that certification as if now you know exactly what you need to do. Mm -hmm. And... In any other situation in our lives, I always use a driver's license as an example. This is great. You get a driver's license at 16, 17, maybe yeah. even later in life for whatever reason. And now here you have a license. You're ready to drive. Yeah. Well, I, I know because I've been driving for more years than I care to admit that yeah. when I first started, I was nervous. You didn't uh, get like right up on the Google Expressway with no, that. No, I'm not. I'm not doing Kelly Drive. I'm yeah. not sitting there, right, thinking I can just drive yeah. anywhere, do any. Sometimes I didn't even want to touch the radio because yeah. I was so nervous. I was not concentrating. The hands were in the prone position, and you get sweaty. You, you don't yeah. want to just take the leap because I'm just starting, yeah. and you also don't. You don't have enough experience yet to navigate all the situations. Yeah. So even though you're younger, your reflexes are supposed to be great. Your reaction times are supposed to be better. Yeah. You still don't have that great knowledge of when I see something happening, what might I do? How do I get out of a spin? Uh, what happens if I slide on ice? Or there's there's so concrete barriers like right up against the sides of exactly. your car. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it it's it's daunting when you. Yeah. So, yes, I have a license, but it does not mean that I should be going off and driving cross country by myself through a snowstorm. Yeah. Right? It doesn't make any sense. So I think that you have to build up a certain amount of experience. Tolerance before you say, oh, I'm a great driver. I'm an expert driver. And 
we do this with the agile certifications. We do this where we wouldn't do it anywhere else. And we expect people to just be ready to go and drive four hours in a four foot blizzard and be okay. And you're not okay. You need some experienced person with you, or you'd want someone with you to help navigate some of the gotchas. And so I don't understand why just the cert is okay enough to put a certified person who has one year experience up against a certified person with 25 years experience and call them the same. So, the same title, the same everything. It's not the same. What's so great about what you said about the driver's license is when people finish the CSM with me, what I say to them is, okay, when you pass this test, you're the equivalent of a 16-year-old that walked out of the DMV with a driver's license on your birthday. It but doesn't you mean you're a good driver. You're only going to be See? good after you make same a page. lot of mistakes. Yeah. Right, um, right. But, but I also – I would not hire a project manager that didn't have PMP and I wouldn't hire somebody for an agile team that didn't have a CSM or some equivalent like the scrum.org version or CSP or whatever. But I don't expect them to be any good with that. I ex- mm-hmm. What that certification says to me is, is that they should understand the basic language and yes. a lot of the ideas and I'm still going to have to fix stuff. But like project management is a simple ex- example. If somebody has a PMP, I shouldn't have to explain the difference between work and duration. They should That's know right. that. And I don't want to spend yeah. time having that conversation. Um, so it's, 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 I guess, selfish on my perspective, but I don't think a certification demonstrates any level of expertise, at least in the agile or project management space, just that you should understand the words and what they mean and have a vague sense of the job. I agree. I totally agree with you. And, and I think about it too, you know, every doctor goes to medical school, but someone graduated last in their class. And they're still a doctor. D equals degree. Yeah. So C equals commencement. (laughs) And you have to decide for yourself after some experience with that person, wow, do I really trust them and want to work with them going forward? Or am I very concerned that my doctor just called my foot, my ankle, my wrist, my head, my side? I have to decide, but I have to start to work with them. And I think that's also part of the problem we see in our industry is a lot of, and I'm going to pick up my recruiter friends, Mm -hmm. they just need to get a butt in the seat. So all they look at is, did I pass your resume through the algorithms? You have this certification. I see lots of experience, quote unquote, experience on your resume. So I'm going to put you in a job. Okay. And it gives us a bad name. So if having the certification does not demonstrate expertise, Mm. should not having the certification, because that's often like a gatekeeping function, right? If you don't have this, you're not going to even get invited to the interview. That's right. Um, Does not having it demonstrate a lack of commitment or a lack of understanding or anything like that? Or should that just be wiped off the table? It's hard to say because I know that we have to weed people out somehow, but I'm afraid that these certs are becoming like a high school diploma. It's just in order for you to get mostly any job at this point in life, you would need a high school diploma or a GED, some equivalent. So you have to have it. You have to demonstrate that you can get up in the morning, go to school, attend classes, do the minimum amount of work to graduate and graduate. It doesn't mean more than that. 
Okay. So a CSM, a CSPO, whatever you have, it that is the minimum requirement. Yeah. So I understand we have to have minimums, but then you have to raise the bar. So if you have the minimum, that's great. But then the question is, what do you need after that to prove yourself? So okay. I think you have to have something to show that you wanted to learn the vernacular. Right. You wanted to be invited to the table. You have interest in furthering your education. It's just like currently I'm in an MBA program. I'm ah. getting my MBA. And the how, reason how far I, in are you? I'm almost done. February oh, 24, I graduate. So I, I couldn't be happier to almost be done with that because yeah. I am tired of homework. Yeah. I've had enough homework for a while. But I went back and got that because I realized that I needed to level up. I needed something more. Okay. I have a bachelor's degree. Yeah, I yeah. have certifications, lots of them. Yeah. But what is the next level that would prove to organizations, companies, people yeah. that Amy also has the ability to think strategically, okay. business-oriented concepts, yeah. the, the next level. How do you level up and prove that now that I have real-world experience, I can apply that real-world to another degree mm -hmm. and then utilize that degree to take the next level of my career journey? Okay. So. As much as I didn't want to, I rage against it. I feel like, okay, so the next level is a master's degree because everyone has a bachelor's. Now that yeah. doesn't matter so much anymore. Everyone so you're has differentiating to, yourself. Okay. That, exactly. So now what do I need to do to take the next level up to show that I am not in this category? I actually cared enough, wanted to learn more, extend yeah. my brain, do more to get, get debt. To get as much debt as you can. I mean, that's the name of the American way, right? To die with your credit cards maxed out. So, you know, that's, that's All right. my so, plan. <laughs> so I, we're going to come back to the MBA thing in a minute, but I want to go yeah. back to the Scrum Master job. So um, I just taught a class this weekend, a bunch of MBA students from UF. And okay. none of them are none of them are in the work or they're just like just getting started in their careers. None of mm -hmm. them have worked on a Scrum team, but they're all going to have their CSM. Yes. Um, they haven't got their MBA yet. But I mean, for somebody who is just getting started, Scrum Master is the fastest way or, the, or an equivalent of that to show, hey, I understand some basic stuff. Give me a chance. Mm -hmm. um, should I mean, those people should still be able to get these jobs, right? You're just it sounded to me like you were advocating for coaching or mentoring or some someone there to support them as they stumble through the beginning days of this career. Yeah, but I actually think it's really hard to get an intro level scrum master job for what okay. we talked about earlier, where the need right now is for companies to have multi-skilled people come yeah. aboard. I think now at this point, these certifications, if you have no prior experience, is an add-on. It's an extra okay. feature for you, but you will have to get a job with a company mm -hmm in your main arena. So yeah. what I mean is I would say if you went to school for, let's say development, you, you love mm -hmm. programming, you want to be a programmer, it's in your blood, but you know, this agile thing, this scrum thing is hot and trending. So yeah. I think you would get, and I've given this advice to some people that I've met out of college. I've said to them, right. go with the thing that your degree is in and add scrum master to it. So be okay. the best, get the most experience awesome. as a developer and then yes, 
Be okay. the developer you want to be, right. but get the CSM so that when, and we know it will happen, yeah. when your company starts to go agile or go scrum, right. they'll say, hey, Amy, um, you've been developing with us for a year and you're doing a mm-hmm. great job and your team loves you. I see you have this scrum stuff. Would you be interested in a scrum master role? We would love to talk hybrid with okay. you. I think you you know what it's like to be a good team, but that will get you that extra boost, that promotion. Okay. But I don't think that alone, you can't go get a CSM and then say, I want a scrum master job and apply to the scrum master jobs that are out there because okay. that won't get you anywhere, in my yeah. opinion, okay. unless a company specifically wants to mentor. If they're saying intro level scrum masters because they want to pay less, If they're specifically advertising for, we want to mentor someone who is fresh out of college, fresh out of CSM, wants to learn along the way, then I think you stand a chance. But at this moment, it's not like it was 10 years ago where if you got the CSM, you could automatically get a scrum master. Okay. I don't see it that way. You were in the workforce before you went back for your MBA, right? Yes. Okay. The, some of the folks from this weekend that I was teaching, I was just thinking like, wow, I can't imagine how a lot of this stuff would be as valuable if you haven't been out there for a number of years. Like I only got my MBA because my wife was like hassling me about it. And then she's like, I found a program. It's online. You don't even have to go to the school. I was like, okay, fine. Um, but I had something I could connect that stuff to. If I didn't have the experience already – it would have all been theory, and I don't think as much of it would have been relevant to me in the same way. I totally agree with you. Okay. If I didn't have all this experience behind me, the the case studies we read, the, right. the reports I have to write, all those things about business related work, I would it would not resonate. But now that I've done all this work as a coach, been exposed to business mm-hmm. agility, setting vision, goals, the right. MBA has come much easier to me than it would okay. have straight out of undergrad. So I do think there's something to be said for you need to take a step away and go work before yeah. you try to get that grad degree because you won't appreciate it as much if you yeah. don't have the, the life experience. Cool. Okay. Um, so let's talk about the project or sorry, the, the jobs at the companies. Yeah. I don't even know what to call them because the one that I, I did a podcast with, with Jeff Howie, who used to work at Leading Agile about mm-hmm. technical program manager, which from the research that we were seeing, what, what we were finding when we went looking for these jobs was companies wanted somebody who had a lot of experience in PMOs. Okay. Also doing agile transformation with a number of years of software development experience. who was also deeply schooled in design thinking. Wow. And I would read these. And I'm like, if you could find that, there's no way you could afford it. Right. But nobody has all that. Nobody has all that. That's a that's a what do they call it? A unicorn. <laughs> yeah, but companies are hiring people into these jobs. Like that. What scares me the most about that is that like somebody's going to get that job, and they might have like two of the three things, but there's an expectation that they'll have all of them, and they're just like set up for failure right out of the gate. Yeah. I think so. It 
So that's that's what I worry about is if a company doesn't really understand what they want to begin with, they throw everything into a job description. Well, we think we might need a little bit of this and we definitely need some of that. And so we'll just sprinkle everything in there and see what sticks. And unfortunately, if you do get someone who has dabbled in all those areas, they may know a little bit about everything, but they won't be an expert. And suck at all of them. Exactly. Right. So now you've gotten what you've asked for, but it's not what you really wanted. And I think this is a fundamental problem that we see as coaches all the time is when you ask an executive or a leader, what are you really looking for? What do you need at this moment? What do you want? They don't know. Yeah. They have no idea. So they tell HR or who's ever writing the job description a little bit of everything. And that's exactly what they put out there. So what it really comes down to, I'm sure, is personality, how you show up, how you talk about your previous experiences. You also might be a great salesperson of yourself and be Mm -hmm. a terrible implementer. Yeah. So you might you might sell yourself great and then you get in the job and you don't know how to do any of those things, but you yeah. actually were very good during the interview process. So that's another layer of complexity yeah. that we see quite a bit. Well, especially now, I mean, getting the interview, getting the job. I know some folks, coaches who are deeply experienced, brilliant people who are just bad at interviewing and yes. they're struggling yes. to find gigs now. Well, there's also the money component. Don't forget about, you know, agile coaching and scrum master and other agile roles. Their scale is changing. We're seeing a a major dip in what the hourly rate or overall pay scale is for these agile roles. And I think that's taken a toll on some people, too, because there's an expectation, especially when you interview that you're going to have a certain rate available to you and companies are now declining that rate rapidly for whatever reason. We could probably do a whole nother five hours on why they would be paying less. But I think that's another thing too that we're seeing in the industry is your expectation when you interview Mm -hmm. has to come down and a lot of people don't want to do that. Well, and I think for in some cases it's also – like I know somebody who last week went in for an interview and the job range was like 90 to like two, $90,000, like $200,000. And they were mm-hmm. overqualified for the job. And the company was like, yeah, we only want to pay like 95. It's just on. But I guess if you're looking, I mean, that does teach you something about the company and how much you can yes. trust them and True. how much they value the job. But if you're desperate for a job, I mean, maybe it's just a big reset in terms of pay scale. Well, that used to happen. So that's another point that as you're talking, I'm thinking about how it used to be both ways. Not only were you interviewing for a job, but you were interviewing the company as well. Do I match here? Do I want to work here? Is this the right fit for me? That also seemed to change where you've said desperate a few times. And I think that's true. Many people in the world now are very desperate for their next job. So they're saying yes to anything and everything. And that even if their gut says this isn't really the right fit for me, they need a job. So they'll take the job and then they'll get in there and be miserable. And the company either doesn't want to have to go through the process of letting them go or the person doesn't want to jump after three, four seven months because it looks terrible on your resume for long time. I mean, I think we're making decisions for all the wrong reasons. So what should we be doing then? Like what should the companies be doing? 
I, so personally, what I would do if I was in charge of all the hiring of the entire world is I give yourself a raise. I mean, well, yeah, I mean, that's like, I wouldn't work anymore. I would just give advice all day. But I think that, I think one of the components that's missing during the interview process yeah. is actually doing something that you're qualified to do during the interview. So I've okay. never had anybody ask me as a coach mm-hmm. to coach them through a problem. Why not? Wow. Okay. Why wouldn't you, as part of the interview process, why wouldn't you, because as a coach. Put some scenarios I, out there and see how they respond. When I meet with somebody one-on-one, I say to them, this is much my session as it is yours. Yeah. So I expect that although I'm showing up ready to be a coach, you have to show up with a problem. Yeah. I don't want to sit and stare at you for 30 minutes, right? I want to talk about what can I help you with? I'm here today to help you. Let's talk through something. So I think a lot, if you interview badly, one way to shine is just do what you do every day. So I think the interview process should be more practical. I hate all these canned questions that everyone has to ask. And you know, they're coming as an interviewee, as a person doing the interviewing, you always know it's going to be, tell me about a time when, tell me this. That doesn't tell me actually how you are, because I can spin my story of how that you weren't there. So yeah. I can tell you anything that happened and make it up. It doesn't necessarily have to have happened to me. Yeah. But even, okay, if you were going for a coaching job, if you could convincingly make up a story, that could work. Yes, but then I'm just a really good salesperson. Yeah. What I want you to do is coach me through a problem. Pretend I am your coachee. Right. Coach me through or a scrum master. Scrum master jobs, it should go like, hey, Let's pretend we're in a sprint review, Scrum Master. I'm going to put your data up on the screen. This is your team's data. Start the sprint review or start the sprint planning or start the retrospective. I want to see how you actually do what you do because there's in in other areas, this is where I have a problem with our certification process too, is there's practicals. Med school has practicals. Mm -hmm. Dental school has practicals. You actually have to even... Even beauticians, and not to disparage beauticians, but even in that realm, you have to show that you've learned the concepts. You can cut the hair. You can do the nails. You can whiten the teeth. Whatever it is you're going for, that practical is how you show the demo. You've gotten the book knowledge, the class. You've gotten the CSM. Now show me you know how to use it. And that will tell me more about you than yeah. I would ever get from just asking you. So tell me about a time when you struggled with a leader. How did you handle it? What did you do? Well, that's, you could make anything up and tell me a story. I don't want story time. I want to see you in your realm of doing or get permission from yeah. a job that you're in. Record yourself. Record your next retro, record your next, bring that to the interview. I would rather watch a video shared in an interview for 10 minutes than have you talk to me because now I saw you in your natural habitat doing your thing. And I can decide if my, my company, my team, whoever I'm hiring for, will that resonate? I want to see what your practical looks like. I don't want to just, yes, I want to get to know you as a person, of course, but I want to see you do your thing. And since I can't come with you to your current job, because that would be weird, I need to see you do your thing somehow, some way. So I just wish a lot of the interview processes were more of the practical and not just the conversation. 
So I think some of that at the lower level certifications, I agree with you. I think it's um, like I'm on the committee for the Scrum Alliance for people that want to become trainers mm. and they, they have to have a lot of experience. They have to be able to demonstrate that, show feedback yes. Yes. and come and teach. So we do actually watch them. I mean, it's an artificial situation, but you do get kind of that sense of it. Sure. Are there certifications for people that are starting out that you think are more valuable than others? Um, I think for, for Scrum Masters, there really is only the CSM. So I can't really, right. I mean, IC Agile, I, I teach IC Agile classes and we have the same thing that you do. We have to demonstrate through a practical yeah. that we're able to teach for them. But I think CSM is really the only offering or um, PSM. Yeah. They're both the same type of class for someone starting out. Yeah. But that that's it. I mean, that's really it. You can go the advanced scrum master route. You can take other practical classes, things that are coaching related, yeah. but that's really all they have. So if you're interested, I would say you absolutely have to take it just to not be out, knocked out in the first round, just like any other bachelor degree or something to that effect. Unfortunately, that's it. There's yeah. no other advanced concept class that would show that you know more than just the terminology and the basics. So what should they do? Like how do you if, – if I was somebody who had gotten a CSM and I was going up against another CSM, mm. what would I – what could I bring to bear that would demonstrate that level of expertise or, or a greater level of expertise? What I tell uh, aspiring CSMs that I do meet along the way is take something you already do Mm -hmm. and put it into your scrum world. Prove okay. that you can apply what you've learned in the class. So okay. I had actually met someone who told me that he was coaching his daughter's soccer team. And I said, that's perfect. You can put that into the yeah. scrum way of working and demonstrate that although you haven't done it in your day job, because his day job was something totally, yeah. I don't know, I think it was like freelance writing or something, no, nothing to do with what sure. the agile world is. But I said, if you know the concepts, mm -hmm. then you can apply that to anything else in your life. So you're a coach. You're a soccer coach. Great. You're coaching. How do you build up the team? How do you call the plays? How do you gather them? How do you plan? Do yeah. you have a retro after they play the game? Do you talk about what went well in the game? What didn't wow. go well? Okay. I said, there's lots of things you could do. So he said, oh my gosh, Amy, I didn't think of this. It doesn't have to be work-related to prove that you yeah. understand the concepts. Cool. If you challenge the team to do something better next time, you just had a retro and an inspection and adoption. That's you awesome. Say, yeah, like, hey, little Sally Joe, right? You you ran this way. You're supposed to run this way. Don't do that anymore. Yeah. There's inspection. So you're getting them to do what you need as a scrum master slash coach. Yeah. But it's not called that. So, so what? So I said, so write that up and give that when you interview. Yeah. Talk about tell how that you story. applied the not tell your story of I learned all this stuff in class and then I went home and did it. Or, okay. you know, I, I've talked to other people about things that they're planning to do. I did it when I moved. Yeah. Now I'm a mm -hmm. coach, but I mean, when you move, you're essentially planning every week, you're buying yeah. supplies, you have a Kanban board. I mean, there's so many ways you could show that what I learned in class, I'm applying to my real life, even though I haven't done the job yet. And for me, if I was interviewing someone who was brand new, that would go a long way because I would say, not only did they just get the class, but they wanted to use it somewhere practical. Yeah, they found they a way to do it. On the information, waiting for something yeah. to happen. Because proactive is a quality I look for. 
Okay. And a scrum master. So that would show proactive right there. This is awesome. Um, so I have one final question before we wrap it up. Oh, man, that's it. We well, it's almost that. four o'clock and I only budgeted for now. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but we can go back and do a lot more. I appreciate sure. you making time for this. Um, yeah. What is a piece of advice you have for folks? I mean, how long were you looking when you when you got this gig? Oh, I I wasn't I wasn't really looking. Oh wow, good for you. <laughs> so I had a job, and okay. Leading Agile found me. Okay. And um, I was well. Not- all right, let's go with that. How did you yeah. make yourself? What were you doing that made somebody else notice you? Because the people that are going looking for jobs, I mean, they show up. They're like, you know, that they're wanting. The, yeah. You weren't searching, but something about you was shining and they found you. So what was what was it or what were you doing to make people notice you? It's probably a couple of things. So I'm very active on LinkedIn. Okay. I, I respond to posts sometimes. I post other things for people. So I'm very active. I'm always updating my profile. Okay. So I make sure it's completely up to date if I get a new certification, if I'm doing something. I'm active in the Agile community. So I think okay. that's another thing that stands yeah. out. Currently, I'm the president of Agile New England, okay. but I volunteered for Agile New England for a long time before I, I ran for president. So I think that that's another thing that helps even newer people. I meet people at Agile New England all the time who are brand new, and I tell them, stay active in the community, volunteer yeah. for events, even if it's just to help set up some chairs, put out some food. You're getting to know people. You're networking. Yeah. You're having conversations about, I'm new, help me. That goes a long way. So I think that's another piece that really helped me. I think talking to people, Just talking to people who are not at my current job, staying active with other people in the community through other groups. So even though I'm president of Agile New England, I go to Agile Alliance events and Scrum Mm -hmm. Alliance events and Scrum Org and Scrum. I just try to stay in touch with what's hot and trending around the community. I also, I think it helps me where I look to see what else is going on, even if I don't agree with it. So I've gotten Mm -hmm. safe training, even though that's not where my passion is. I've gotten lean training. I've gotten Kanban training. I've done PMI. I talked at PMI for their group in Massachusetts because I just want to make sure that I stay in touch with other people because I want to know what's going on in the project world, whatever it is. So I think that helps a lot. So I probably, I probably know someone who knows someone who knows someone who knows someone who worked at Leading Agile. And that's probably how my name probably circled back to someone at LA. I don't know for sure. I'm just speculating, but I would yeah. guess that through some grapevine, my name was heard and, oh, I know someone, see okay. if she's open. And there you have it. So I think that's a lot of what happens now. It might also have to do with longevity. So newer you've people, been in it for a while, yeah. when I was 20 something, which I'm not anymore, um, <laughs> you, you don't know as many people because you haven't been around. So yeah. The sooner you get to know more people in the circle, you go to the events, you volunteer, like mm-hmm. I mentioned, then you do circulate your name. So yeah. even if they don't remember anything about you, they might remember, oh, I know that name from something somewhere. From somewhere Let yeah. me look that person up. So I'm guessing that's probably a lot of how I came to be in LA. But I was talking to LA people for weeks before I even entertained the interview process because, frankly, I was tired of interviewing. Wow. It's exhausting yeah. and I hate it. And I don't, I don't like interviewing, even though I can do it. Okay. it it's tiring to constantly sell yourself to yeah. a new company, 
think, oh, do I really want to be the new guy again? Oh man, I'm so tired of being the new guy. <laughs> you know, it, and there's a different element to being the new person in a company. Yeah. So it gets exhausting. And I wasn't sure I even wanted to do that, but okay. I had enough conversations. I made the leap. I said, okay, but this is it. I don't want to be the new guy anymore. So we need to stay here and stay not be while. the new guy. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you said this stuff too, because I, I got an MBA and I also volunteered for PMI for about eight years. And I've been volunteering for the Scrum Alliance and yeah. occasionally for the Agile Alliance for, I don't know, 15 years. And I would say that the volunteering I did for PMI was probably more valuable to my career than my MBA because wow. I got mentors. I got to travel all over the world and speak in different countries and make a bit much bigger network. Yeah. And I, I mean, my MBA was great, but, but the stuff I got to do for PMI was, was way better. And I love what I'm doing for the Scrum Alliance and the Agile Alliance. It's also really rewarding to get to build a community, be part of a community of people who are that passionate about what they do. Because they're awesome. the ones that are inventing this stuff and you get yeah. better connected to them. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Exactly. I think, too, it's nice to be around people who have made mistakes yeah. and they can save you sometimes from, from your yeah. mistakes. But also you need to make them. I think that's yeah. another thing that people don't realize if you're afraid to take a chance, if you're afraid to go to a convention alone. Yeah. Or if you're afraid to take a leap of faith and take a job that you're not 100% qualified for, but you're going to try anyway, or yeah. at least apply, go through the interview process. Some of the best experience I had was interviewing for a job I know I didn't qualify for back then, but I had to hear the questions that were asked. Well, that practicing interviewing is important too. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to know what was I missing yeah. or it really hit me wow, I'm not qualified for this job. And now I know why. Because <laughs> Man, these people suck. I don't want to work here. <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. So yeah. I think you have to be okay and open to your own mistakes too. And that's hard to do. So I think that if you're new to this, you have yeah. to be ready to fall flat on your face, be embarrassed, make mistakes and realize that every time you do it, it will get better. Ooh, one step closer. And everybody you see who you think is so great at this, was once you. Yeah. And probably really still is you in many respects. <laughs> put their foot in their mouth, turn red. Yeah. Had bad things happen, but we're still here because we know that that's the only way you grow and get better. Yep. So that's new people have to be okay. And I think, and I know this is a totally different topic we can do another time, but I think a lot <laughs> of the kids growing up today, I'll say the kids, the culture is they're afraid to make mistakes. Yeah. Because they, for whatever reason, it's perceived as weakness or something like that that makes people feel bad. And you can't be afraid to feel bad. You have to <laughs> feel bad to feel good You're going to feel bad either way. You might as well just walk <laughs> head first into it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, for sure. This was great. I really appreciate you making time for yeah, this. Yeah, me too, Dave. I had a blast. I'm so glad you uh, put out the invitation. Yeah, we're definitely going to have to do more. Um, of course. If these people that are listening want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to reach you? Well, I think my cell phone is the best always. Um, okay. Call, text. I answer texts more than anything. So I can give that out. If you you can, want. We can put that in the in the show notes. The oh, okay. All right. Yeah, I'll do yeah. Because that's, that's the best way. But of course, you okay. know, I have the leading agile. And then LinkedIn. Since okay. I'm on LinkedIn all the time, if you send me a LinkedIn message, I can then give you all my personal information. So I would say cell phone and LinkedIn are the two best places. Awesome. 
Well, this was great. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, Dave.